Welcome to the Asking Why podcast. I'm your host, Clint Davis. I'm a marriage and family therapist and licensed professional counselor trained in trauma and addiction. The Asking Why podcast is for anyone on a journey of healing and restoration. If you are searching for answers to life's questions and want to learn more about root causes from a psychological and theological mix, this show is for you. In this podcast, myself and a co-host from Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness will interview guests on a wide range of topics in order to get down to the heart of the problems facing our world and understand why things happen and how to change the world and ourselves for the better. Want to learn more tips and tricks to living a healthy lifestyle? Visit us at Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to meet our staff or book a speaker, go to clintdaviscounseling.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe today. Putman Restoration is a proud sponsor of the Asking Why podcast. Putman Restoration specializes in commercial disaster services, including water damage, fire, smoke, mold, and storm. Their goal and desire is to get your properties up and running as soon as possible after disaster strikes. Hospitals, schools, hotels, and large municipal buildings, malls, churches, and large commercial properties are their specialty. Manage properties nationwide? No problem. Putman Restoration services their clients nationwide. They are strategically partnered with elite restoration companies throughout the U.S. and Canada, giving their clients resources during disasters where normal companies would be tapped out. Trust the professionals at Putman Restoration when disaster strikes. Visit them online at www.putmanrestoration.com or give them a call at 318-453-5029. Welcome to the Asking Why podcast. I'm your host, Clint Davis, and I have with me Brandy Walker again. She's been on here a few times now. Um, you might be the most uh, recurring therapist I have coming on here. Fourth time. Uh, so this is episode 74, and we're going to be talking about dating after a breakup, divorce, or a loss. So Brandy um, and me have been talking and emailing back and forth some good topics, and this one seemed to be one that um, we haven't covered. And I think we're dealing with a lot with clients. We're constantly working with people, or we've had these personal experiences. I know you have had some of that yourself. So. Welcome back, Brandy. Tell people who maybe haven't, this is their first time listening to you or us, who you are and what you do. And yeah. Okay. Hello. Um, I'm Brandy Walker. I am a counselor here at Clint Davis Counseling. Um, I've been here for three years in July, so a little over three years. Um, been a counselor for 14 years. Um, six of that was inpatient, so I don't know if you can really count that as counseling. <laughs> it is, but it's more crisis intervention. Yeah, um, triage. Yes. Um, I I mean, I, I see clients that present with all types of things, but I do a lot of grief and trauma work. That's typically where everyone ends up, mm-hmm. <laughs> even if it hasn't been a uh, loss like death. Mm-hmm. There's still grief, lots of grief to process for just life events. So that's kind of my primary focus mm-hmm. um, or what ends up coming out. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't. I, yeah. That's where you're at. Yeah. <laughs> that's, cool. that's, that's that's a little bit about me. Um, tell, <laughs> talk a little bit about, you know, you, you've talked or I can, you, you know, you've come on before and we've talked about grief and loss and we, we talked a little bit about your previous relationship. Can you talk just to yes. touch on that? Um, so I was in a relationship for approximately 20 years on and off, but 20 years. And, um, after seven years of consistently being together, um, he was an alcoholic and he died on our living room floor. Mm -hmm. 
and that was in that year four significant family members died three of them in three months two of them in 24 hours it was a very very difficult year so i was submerged in the world of grief Mm -hmm. and had not really dealt with significant grief in the sense of death since i had been a kid um so had no clue how to how you were supposed to you know just go on living and get back to life and do all the things you're supposed to do when everything about your world changed yeah so i did significant counseling myself yeah i did all the work that anybody told me to do (laughs) (laughs) because it was very unpleasant (laughs) and so I, i i've always had a soft spot for grief but then i became very passionate about it after going through it that many times in one year. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what's beautiful about your story, Brandy, and if you haven't listened to the other episodes, go back and listen to them, um, guys. But um, it's just the, you know, when we, we talk about as Christians, you know, that it's it's by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. You know, we, we say those things, but I think to be an encouragement to people that are out there that maybe have had loss or have had grief or who have had a um, divorce or a breakup or, or whatever, um, God has obviously used that for your good mm-hmm. and shaping you. And, and that doesn't mean it was easy. That doesn't mean that he caused it to make you more mature. Right. But, you know, I always say God has two options. You know, something bad can happen and tragic mm-hmm. that's outside of our control and, and outside of his will, let's say. He, he, will, he would will us to be in harmony and in peace with each other. But we have free will, and so things happen. And he can either do nothing with it and let it be devastating, or he can make good out of it Mm -hmm. for you, for him, for the world. And so I think it's awesome to, to hear your stories and to see how, you know, I, I brought you on not knowing some of that, you know, knew a general, uh, you know, details about it, but, you know, getting to know you over the years and see how you do work and see, hear from your clients, how amazing you are. Um, I'm not saying it makes it worth it, but no, I I totally understand what you're saying. No, God truly did. use it yeah in a way that not saying he couldn't have used something else but (laughs) i don't know that i would have the same perspective on life the same relationship with god see god the same had god not taken me through that process yeah and that's such a and we're talking about it lightly because that's not the whole discussion so i don't want (laughs) to gloss over this for people because you know i think it's important for people to see um a lot of people are suffering right now, maybe listening and maybe going, why am I going through this? And why is this happening? And, and what we're not saying is suck it up because it's going to be good. Right. You know, it's going to stink oh, really me. badly for, for a long time. For a good many years, I had that same thought. Like, what was the point? Yeah. Like God isn't in this, why? you know, like, but there came a point when he shifted things and it began to change inside me. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I think we, we start to externalize the problems, right? And go, okay, this isn't about me. It happened to me. I experienced it. But it, it doesn't define my worth and my value. It doesn't define my future security. It doesn't it doesn't guarantee that bad things are gonna happen in the future. Right. And we start to have hope again mm-hmm. and believe that okay, we can we can do things differently. Um and for you that's turned into holding hope for other people. Mm-hmm. And I think your story and your testimony that you've shared on here already and that you're going to share today, right? It, it, we hope that it's encouraging to people because it's transparent, it's authentic, and it's, it's real. And, and I think so much of 
TikTok reels and Instagram and all these things are great. It's good information, but a lot of times it can just be superficial fluff and, you know, here's what to do. Here's how to change your behavior. And it's not that black and white. It's not that easy. Right. And so for y'all, y'all that are out there struggling with these things and walking through them, we hope that uh, this episode is, is helpful. So what are some unusual things about dating after, you know, breakup, divorce, loss? What are some things that you think right off the top of your head that um, might be validating to some people that they need to know are normal not healthy, maybe, right. but are common. Well, I think that, I think each is a look, kind of individual. Absolutely. So, sometimes what you experience after, let me think this through. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> it's kind of like, you want to... Allow yourself to feel feel what you're feeling, but not try to rush to make things feel the same that they did prior to the breakup, divorce, or loss. Right. I don't know if I'm saying that. In the yeah, right way. Like, like so I see a lot of people want to, they're like, how can I get back to what it was before this event? Yes, yeah. yes. So sometimes people want to make they don't want to go through the feeling that they're feeling so they want to start getting back into the dating world right then and there mm-hmm. um and that can look very different because it's not going to feel the same even though you're looking to try to get the same feelings right so you're doing the same behavior you're dating you're in a relationship but it's not going to be the same as it was previously right and, I, and, and yeah. people want to skip past the the process of grief, the process of unpacking what was that relationship, what was good and bad about it, um, to get to the contentment of the routine. Right. Yeah. And depending on how long you were with someone, dating could have changed significantly yeah. <laughs> the way you go about dating. Um, you know, if you'd been in a relationship 20, 30 15, whatever, the way you met someone is probably not going to be the same way you meet someone in today's climate. Mm -hmm. So lots of things shift um, that you don't really know has shifted until you are in that space to try to, to navigate that. Yeah. So give me some examples or maybe how, how is that for you? Today, it seems that the only way you can meet people is through online dating, and that is the craziest thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's probably not true. You can meet people in other ways, but that's kind of the the big platform. Yeah. Um, it's very impersonal. It's very um, surface. Takes way more time than meeting someone like just authentically and having a conversation somewhere Mm -hmm. but in our climate today we don't so much as technology that people are moving away from even trying to meet people in a face-to-face way way. so (laughs) that is that is what i have come across yeah in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's interesting if you dated, you know, because of the time we live in, if you dated, um, let's say, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, 
a lot of that looks very similar. Mm-hmm. You know, how our grandparents dated and how our parents dated was very similar. Mm-hmm. How maybe even we dated in high school and our parents dated was very similar. Mm-hmm. But let's say you were in a marriage for the last decade, right? Mm-hmm. And then the phone comes online and the online comes online. And, you know, and even in the last five to seven years, we talk about this a lot when it comes to technology and parenting, and all those kind of things. But really, if you think about it in the dating world and put it in context of, of what people are experiencing uh, post and pre cell phone and social media, it's an entirely different world than ever before in history. Absolutely. And a lot of us, you know, we call it analog to digital converts. It's the same way in the dating world. You were analog where you uh, had a dad tell me um, they pulled up for homecoming last week or week before. And he said, you know, they're sitting in the car and, and he's like, what are you doing? And the son's like, well, I'm about to text her and tell her to come out. He's like, get out of the car and go up to the door. And he's like, no, we don't do that. Like, we don't go to the door. I'd have to meet her parents. Right. And I'm like, that's insanity. Right. Like, that was one of the biggest maturely developing things that homecoming brought about is, I mean, there's a bunch of toxic things. But one of the things is you go and you meet the parents and you take pictures together and you all stand outside awkwardly on somebody's staircase and mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, right. and the parents joke and you awkwardly do this. And, and now it's, mm-hmm. I'm going to text her from the car to come in. And that's teenagers. But I I mean, I've seen that evolve to the adults as well. It's very much in the adult world. Mm -hmm. And um, of course, there's always people can go to bars and meet people, but there's still the same connotation that there's kind of always been there. That's not necessarily the best option. The best option. Um, And sadly, I think once you reach a certain age in the church, it becomes very hard when you're in the single category to make connections Mm -hmm. because lots of things are catered to families, widows, older people. So I don't think, I think there comes a point when that's not an option Yeah, because there's people that are like-minded, same age and the same scenarios aren't in the same place. Yeah. And if you are there, then it becomes like a kind of dating factory in church too. Right. You know, it's like, Oh, who's the other four single adults here? You guys need to, you know, meet. Right. So it's, it can be an awkward space yeah, to, um, to navigate through. Yeah, I bet it is. Especially when, so when you're dealing with breakup, divorce, loss, you are dealing with all of these feelings, all of these inadequacies about yourself, insecurities. You're trying to adjust to what has changed in your life or what's going on and, at the same time, I mean, of course, it's individual, but wanting to, feeling those, sometimes those societal pressures of I'm supposed to be a couple or I have to be yeah. in this or what does it mean if I'm not? You know, there's lots of things that I think come up that people don't really know how to navigate through. Yeah. I think that's the importance of coming in and and working on stuff before moving too fast. Yes. You know, is that your your identity shifts when you're in a couple, right? And Mm -hmm. let's, you know, a lot of times it may be really unhealthy. And so that's another thing. Yes. You know, you're, you got to unpack all the unhealth that was in there. And and when there's, would you say, I would, I see it in clients when there's grief and loss um, or breakup, two things happen. Either we, uh, 
we make that relationship amazing and it was perfect. And we make it this mm-hmm. daydream, especially around grief sometimes. And we're not honest about how messy and broken and dirty it was. Mm-hmm. Or we have to hate everything about it mm-hmm. so that we can move on. Would you say you see that spectrum? Yes. And yeah, I actually think that a lot of times in the beginning of, of grief, well, grief from death, that all we can see is the good until we've processed enough that we can face the bad. Mm-hmm. You know, because when we lose something, we want, we want our, the time we invested in something to matter. To matter. Yeah. And when we lose someone, whether it's been healthy or unhealthy, sometimes we can't, we can't take on all that bad stuff at the same time. We're trying to deal with, the loss itself. Yeah. That's such a good point. Yeah. We do want it to matter. And so yeah. it's like, if I'm honest about X, Y, Z, then it kind of whitewashes everything or it overlaps everything. Right. Yeah. It's, we call that overgeneralizing, right? People, yeah. when we're trying to survive a really intense emotional situation, we have these cognitive things that we do, cognitive distortions that we use to, you know, all or nothing thinking overgeneralizing. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of that come up in, yes, in grief and loss and dating after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, um, what I see in clients is that that need to go back to what's comfortable mm-hmm. and I'm used to two coffee cups. I'm used to these things. And so I want to get back to that. Right. And there's a process of like, I've mm-hmm. got to shift. Uh, maybe that's the goal. Maybe I want to date. Maybe I want to be in this relationship and those things are amazing. And they're, you know, mm-hmm. they were amazing. Um, but I have to, again, find my identity as a single person, <coughs> you know, again, mm-hmm. and then bring that, that person who, was married or was in a relationship or wasn't a deep, you know, abusive relationship or whatever, who is that person? When you get out of that relationship, you gotta, you gotta figure out who that person is and recover and heal from whatever it is so that then you can bring that new person into the relationship because yes. you're not the same person as you were in the previous one. Right. And if you don't allow yourself to see that dating can be disastrous. Mm-hmm. So what are some ways that you've seen it be disastrous with clients or with yourself or whatever? Well, oh gosh, I've seen um, people who don't process their grief. They move right on into another relationship and all the hurt from the previous relationship, not just the loss, but the, the bad things that happened come with them into that relationship in a way that, that, they can't get to a place of even seeing good things mm-hmm. because they're relating everything based on their past experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen people go from person to person to person to person looking for the same feeling, the same connection, when you're never going to have the same connection. Right. Because it's a different person. It's different personalities, different people, different um I mean, I've seen people go the totally opposite way and they shut down and never open up to anyone again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, those right. are some and of the ways I see it. Yeah, those are some major, or some typical things that I see that are major problems when you don't process right. the loss and the grief. And Right. I think the same thing with a breakup, though. You know, I mean, we're talking yes. about if somebody dies or, you know, if there's a divorce, I mean, those are there's all kinds of different ways, like you were, you know, saying in the beginning. We'd have to take each one of those, you know, and kind of go, they're all different. 
the right. way you're going to play after these things. You know, I think we're trying to give a general understanding today, but with divorce, I think it's really important um, to process why and when and all those kind of things. Cause what I see with divorce clients or parents or, you know, the kids is that, you know, to, in order to divorce, you can't really like the person, you know, we see these celebrities right. that are like, we ended, you know, our relationship. We love each other. They're an amazing person. We've just decided to go our separate ways. And I'm immediately like, like red yeah. flag. Like that's mm -hmm. not a thing. Right. Right. You have to, I mean, you're ending a relationship. Everything's great and you mm -hmm. love them and it's all fine. You just what? Couldn't pick which side of the bed to sleep on or the, which, you know what I mean? Like it's right. Yeah. You got to kind of ha hate them. And definitely, I think with divorce, you deal with those components of whose fault is it? Failure. What did I do wrong? Mm -hmm. Which can be different when it's death mm -hmm. and breakups. You get the same, some of the same things because right. we want it to be something that we can figure out why it happened. Yep. And not replicate it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have to we have to figure out who's right, who's wrong. And unfortunately, with divorce, you go into custody issues and you mm -hmm. go into you know litigation. You go on into all these things. And if you don't do mediation and you get a lawyer, then a hundred percent it's going to go who's right, who's wrong. Right. <laughs> and that's only going to cause you know chaos. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't I don't see anything outside of media mediation go very well. Because you have to put somebody in the category. Your lawyer is going to put them in the category of, right. let me prove why they're the problem and they're the, the fault is on them more than me. Yeah. And so it's like, how do you end that and then like the person afterwards? Right. I'm not saying it can't happen. No, no. I think there's just a lot of negative stuff that you have to wade through, through any of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, w with divorce, I think uh, as well, when you go into, if you don't deal with that, if you don't get into therapy and work through it, then you get into this next marriage and you talk badly about the other partner, right? What are some of those things that you've seen that are well, kind of toxic? talk badly about the other partner, but never see your role and why things ah. went wrong. So you're most likely going to repeat the same things. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have seen people who've been married multiple times and they can't see that they're repeating the same thing over and over and over. Yeah. And I mean, that's its own hurt in itself mm -hmm. <clears throat> that, that they're doing to themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think people can get into a vic victim mindset. You know, bad things always happen to me. It's bound to repeat itself but it's because they don't reposition themselves to look at things differently, pick differently. Mm. Um, that's yeah, talk a, about that for a minute. That's yeah. another one because sometimes what we pick hmm, when we're in certain seasons of life may be different than what we would pick. Like what I chose when I was 22 would not be what I choose now. <laughs> right. I'm in a completely different place. And that's not good or bad, right? I think no. making, making preferences, moral judgments is what gets people into, into trouble. Right. When I we're mean, judging ourselves because we're now 35. Right. And we don't like the same things or we're not willing to deal with the same things that we were at 22. Right. Um, yeah. So, and I can't think of the exact quote, but it's like, a lot of times where we are in our own 
health or unhealth is what we're going to gravitate to. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to be a really, really healthy person usually isn't going to be, let me rephrase that. A really, really unhealthy person isn't usually going to attract a really, really healthy person. Yeah. It has good boundaries and their head on straight, so Absolutely. to speak. Um, so you're going to get, yeah, there may be some levels of difference. It's a spectrum. But you're going to kind of be equally have things going on that you haven't figured out. Yeah. I they think come that's, together. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Uh, you know, I know what you're trying to do is avoid like shaming someone or make them feel like it's their fault. That's not what, you know, we're saying we're trying to talk about the nuances of all this stuff. And here's the deal. None of us come to marriage. Perfect. None of us come to marriage fully aware of all of our issues and our family trauma and our perspectives and, you know, our sexual preferences and all these kind of things. And then all of those things, even in a marriage where you stay married change, Yes. And you have a kid, you have two kids, you know, three kids, life changes, you change jobs, you gain weight, you lose weight, you get sick. I mean, everything is constantly changing mm-hmm. from what you thought you liked and what you didn't like. Right. And so that happens when you stay together. It does. Yeah. It's going to happen, you know, five times that when you break up and change relationships over and over. And so mm-hmm. what you're trying to point to, and I think we're trying to point to is if you're, if you're on the other side of a, one of these situations, divorce, loss, breakup you can't do anything about what the other person did or didn't do. Mm-hmm. You can go to therapy and you can talk to friends and you can talk to your pastor and you can figure out what was real and what wasn't, mm-hmm. what was their responsibility? What was your responsibility? Mm-hmm. And then what, what did I do to play into the toxicity of the relationship? Mm-hmm. It's not your fault that other people are unhealthy and toxic or abusive, especially, but like you're saying, if, the more aware you are of your own ability to set boundaries, to um, communicate effectively, to use support, to say no, mm-hmm. to ask for what you need, the more you build those skills up, the less likely a really toxic person is going to trick you. Yes, right. And especially, too, if you have been in even more than one relationship that have a lot of similarities in how you are responding to the other person Mm -hmm. then it's making sure you look at what is the unhealth or the toxicity bringing it out in you that you can't let go of Mm -hmm. like the codependent stuff um people pleasing not having the right boundaries like the stuff that when we're blaming and finding the fault Mm -hmm. making sure we're looking at what is it about our personality or our character or the way we're thinking, our belief system that is perpetuating picking people that have certain mm-hmm. issues or missing the red flags that are there in the yes, first place? Yeah, that too. There's a lot of times, you know, let's say you've been in four different relationships and everybody cheated on you. Yes. Well, it could be that you just got in four different relationships <laughs> and it has nothing to do with you. True. However, mm-hmm. If you roll the dice on that, most likely there's going to be some attachment. There's going to be some brokenness. There's going to be some pursuit. There's going to be some withdrawal. There's going to be something emotionally going on that allowed for those consistent things to happen. There are patterns, right? Yes. One time is not a pattern. Right. But over and over again, there's a consistent pattern. Right. That doesn't make you responsible for it. Right. That doesn't mean you deserved it or it, you know, you caused it. But it means after those relationships, we have to stop 
and recalibrate and regroup and go, let me do some deep work on me so that when I go into the next relationship, I'm, I'm really understanding why that person cheated. Yes. But I think so many people will jump from relationship to relationship after these three scenarios and don't do any of the work or do very little work. And then these patterns emerge. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I see in the office. Would you say the same way? Yes, absolutely. I, um, yeah, I think people, they, they, I, they come in wanting to know what is it I'm doing that I keep picking people who do this or mm-hmm. do this or do this. But when we try to start getting into it, it can get deep and hurtful and they have to change. And sometimes we don't want to, they don't. Yeah. It's, it's harder or intellectually. They feel like they've got it figured out, but emotionally they don't. Yeah. But yeah. And I would think that's too, I mean, to put some blame on therapy, I think in today's world, therapy is very intellectual sometimes. It can and be. So, you know, it's yeah. a lot of knowledge without mm-hmm. a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we work hard here to help people do safe relationships with us. And then by pushing them into practice, safe relationships outside experience, Hey, what did you feel when they said that? What did you feel when they didn't open the door? What did you feel? How, how is that similar to the last time? Um, and let's get in our body and let's do some work so that our, our, um, you know, our protective mechanism is better mm-hmm. that we're more aware of what we, how similar this is to the other thing. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, you know, you know, to challenge therapists that may be listening, you know, doing handouts and, you know, practice and all this kind of role plays and all this kind of things are good, but we have to be mindful about like the experiential is what's so important to getting them in their body and, and really seeing, you know, did this stuff bef- start before you even dated? Mm-hmm. Cause a lot of times it's, you know, right. Yeah. Go with that. Well, I think uh, Yeah, you just brought up a really good point because I think a lot of things, the people we choose, what we, how we interact in relationships definitely started before we dated, Mm -hmm. (laughs) before we ever, you know, so if we don't get into that work, then how can we change how we're relating to people, how we're reading people, how we're conducting ourselves? Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think. I think we assume that we can just move forward and not do the work. Mm-hmm. But it's like, if you grew up as a kid, you know, if you're listening ask yourself this, when you grew up as a kid, did anybody teach you about dating? Do you, did you actually see now that you're an adult or maybe you're in your second marriage or third or somebody's, you know, passed away or divorced, whatever. Did you act, do you know what a healthy relationship even looks like? What's a healthy relationship for you? What makes your body feel safe and healthy and in its most, you know, open and vulnerable form in relationships. And unless our parents modeled that for us right, or taught us that we have to learn it. Right. And it doesn't just come out of, you know, it doesn't mm-hmm. just come out because you're in a relationship. Right. I mean, you can work on a relationship and get it that way, but it's going to be really difficult. Mm-hmm. And I think literally that's what marriage is. Right. Right. You know, and I think many of us go into it thinking, um, Oh, this, you know, it's going to start hot and heavy and amazing. And it should stay like that for however long, and it just doesn't. Right. And a lot of the examples we have, no matter what time period you look at, is TV. Mm -hmm. And even when you watch older films or things that show how they did it in the old times. Yeah, Gone with the Wind. They didn't even connect. They met each other. You're eligible. You're eligible. Let's get married. 
didn't even know each other. Right. <laughs> you know, but and then you move in today's time where sex is love. Mm-hmm. So you don't get to know anyone. You just hop in bed and decide that's the way to go. Right. So there's nothing being modeled that comes in our view regularly that teaches you how to work through anything, be in anything, connect with anything. Yeah. It's all instant and glorious and magical. And when bad things happen, you either just walk away or have one little conversation and it's all better, Mm -hmm. which none of that's realistic. Right. Yeah. We don't have a, uh, a litmus test to go by. Yeah. You know, and, and many of us don't, and we don't even realize it. You know, we're not, we don't really stop and think like, oh, I thought, oh, no, these people, they're a healthy marriage. And it's like, well, what do you know about them? Well, I see them at church once a week or once a month, and they don't, you know, yell at each other and cuss each other out. So that's my, that's my view of marriage. Yeah. You know, I remember growing up and, uh, you know, my parents divorced when I was eight and they had conflict and, um, you know, step, step parents and con- more conflict. And, you know, I, I I was like, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to fight with my spouse because mm-hmm. fighting is bad and causes anxiety and all these things. And then I had this other couple that were um, my other friend, one of my friend's parents, and they never fought. There was never any conflict. I was at their house all the time, never saw them fall. And I was like, okay, that's who I'm going to be like, you know, and I will not date a girl or be with a girl until I meet somebody who's like that. Cause the worst thing I can end <laughs> in is divorce. Mm-hmm. Like the worst situation for my kids, I'll never get a divorce. So I'm going to know a hundred percent that this is going to work before I get married. And, and I never had a girlfriend quote unquote because of that, Mm -hmm. you know, and I couldn't commit and I had anxiety Mm -hmm. about, Oh, I don't want to date this person. And is this going to be perfect? If we don't agree on everything and have conflict, because in my head I was like, they had it that way. Right. So that's attainable. It's Mm -hmm. attainable to have a relationship where there's no conflict. Well, now as an adult later, it's like, well, they had conflict. They just hit it and they didn't do it in front of us. And it imploded in and of itself. Like I know now, like it was right. not a good situation, mm-hmm. but that's what we do, right? We don't have healthy people to, to sit down with us and go, Hey, here's, here's how healthy conflict works. And here's what this is supposed to look like. And, mm-hmm. and so we're just all kind of shooting from the hip yeah, and trying to figure it out. And it's a mess. Yes. And then you get married and you're like, no, you, you have to fight. You have to have conflict. That's perfectly fine. Right. How you have it is very important. Mm-hmm. And so if we don't, if we've, if you're listening to this and you haven't even thought of that or dealt with that or processed that for any length of time, you have to, before you jump into a new relationship where it's going to be devastating. Right. Which is why the divorce rate for second marriages, I think something like 70 something percent higher. And then for third marriage is like 87% divorce rate. I mean, it just, it's impossible. It's it's like impossible. Yeah. And so another thing about dating after loss is, and we've, we've touched on this, but the, like, you're not going to find the same chemistry Mm -hmm. with someone. And sometimes. Well, first explain to me what you mean by chemistry. Well, um, Maybe, maybe the connections, maybe the better word. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's going to feel different with different people 
and sometimes that can make you think something isn't something you should pursue or it is something you should pursue. I think it's trying to be more aware and present with what you're feeling as you go through that because because I think if you are trying to have get the same connection or the same feeling you're going to be discouraged put off think something's wrong when there may not be anything wrong with the connection mm-hmm I don't know. Am I making sense? Yeah. I feel so, like it's hard to put in words what I'm. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I think it's, um, again, you have, you have a previous relationship and maybe it was very emotional, you know, or maybe it was very sexual mm-hmm. or maybe it was very calm. Right. And so you want, you're, you're going to try to repeat that pattern and get that in this new relationship, mm-hmm. but it's a new person. So they're not calm or they're right. not as, you know, sexual or they're whatever, but they have these other things that are amazing that this other person didn't, right. which kind of, you know, paints us back into looking at the reality and the authenticity, you know, looking authentically at the old relationship and seeing it for fully what it was. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't do that, then you go into these new relationships with all these expectations and projections that aren't real. Mm-hmm. And so maybe, maybe your ex-wife was, you know, super sexual or super touchy and this new woman's not, but maybe she's very affirming in a way that your ex isn't. Right. But if you've painted the ex in this beautiful, you know, this either awful person or perfect person, then nobody has a chance. Right. Right. And yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a, a harder thing to navigate sometimes than we want it to be Mm -hmm. because there is hurt in it. There is um, preconceived ideas and pressures. And um, I think we sometimes we want to move forward. And when we try, it feels too overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Guilt. Guilt comes up with... Um, well, probably with divorce too. Divorce, uh, grief from loss. You're talking about guilt from like moving on? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Lots of things come up that sometimes don't make sense. Mm-hmm. You don't know why you are Shaming having yourself, the yeah. emotional reactions that you're having. Well, if you're not processing it for sure, yes. right? That's the right. point. Right. But even even if you are processing it, each step you make towards going on a date or moving closer to someone you're going to have feelings about Mm -hmm. until you've sorted through the new with the old. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I've had clients who have have lost somebody or had a divorce and and they hate the person or the person was extremely unhealthy and you know, that's over. It went well, there's no chaos and yet they still find themselves feeling guilty for moving on, mm-hmm. for going into a new relationship. Mm-hmm. They feel like they're violating or, you know, having an affair or... Right. Because they've been loyal for 25 years. Yes. They're used to, hey, I don't look at other men or mm-hmm. I don't look at other women. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, this is the way I do my life. And that's a neuropathway that's built. And then that's, then the relationship's over, but your brain hasn't changed. Right. And so you're supposed to then look and glance and see and flirt, and you have no clue how to do that. Right. And I, I think that's 
another part that's important in this is when you're going through this, and no, I'm not saying like first and second dates, like dumping all this stuff, but you have to be able to be with someone that you can talk through what's happening. Mm, That's good. And then support that and show you patience through that and you them or I don't I mean I just think that's an important part of it because because it's it's, who you are right and it's not going to go away quickly yep even though you might want it to yep well you're bringing that to the table so you can't you can't go into a new relationship after a, a really bad breakup or after a divorce or after a loss and pretend like that's not who you are right so if you're dating someone yeah, you the first date you don't dump it, but like at some point they have to know I'm a divorcee or I'm a widow or I'm right. whatever or widower, and I have an ex husband who I loved or an ex wife who I loved, and this is not my plan. This is not how it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. and so that's going to come with me, mm-hmm. and we have to choose people who are willing to accept that. Yeah, that it they're not their first love, right? You're my second right. choice technically. Mm-hmm. Now I can be in love with you. And I can be passionate about you and I can serve you, but I had this other thing that I would have much rathered. Mm -hmm. And I think the more honest we are about that, the more we can actually connect. Mm -hmm. And it's when we're dishonest about it and we're like, no, that's over. So now I'm just going to love you as much as I love them. And it's like, that's impossible. Right. You can't eventually. Yeah. Absolutely. Differently. Differently. Mm -hmm. Sometimes better. Yeah. But if you don't allow, yeah, if you don't allow yourself to move through it, it's not, it's not going to be better. Right. And if you, if you mm-hmm. pick people who you don't hold those expectations to, that's mm-hmm. what I would tell people, especially mm-hmm. like, it's okay for you to hold people to a standard, mm-hmm. you know, the new people you're dating, I'm not going to do that again if right. it was negative. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, um, Hey, this is who I am and this is what I bring to the table. Are you willing, like, let's say it's kids. Mm-hmm. You know, what are some of the things you see when, like, when it comes from a divorce situation or a loss where there's kids involved and step-parents and... That can get tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes it depends on the age of the kids and when that other person comes in to become a parental figure um, as to how much they really are a parental figure mm-hmm. that can... Um, actually discipline and do those types of things. I, I do sometimes see a lot of um, people get remarried, but the partners still take care of their own individual kids. They don't let it cross over, mm-hmm. which can cause conflict with them. Yep. Um, or they parent too much. Mm-hmm. You know, stepmom or stepdad starts trying to come in and give discipline to somebody that they don't know and don't trust. And they think, oh, well, you're just supposed to respect me because I'm an adult. And it's like, right. And they're going to go that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes there are situations where step parent um, focuses more on stepchildren than their children like it shifts trying to make yes i couldn't think of the word they're trying to make that make it blend which can mess things i think there's a lot of ways it can present yeah sometimes the kids don't want anything to do with the other person and the parent does it anyway yeah i think that cycles (laughs) us back to that idea of like 
we're plug and playing families. We're going, I had mm-hmm. this, this ended. So now I want to plug and play and have that same thing with these people. And you just can't. Right. It's right. a different group. It's a different person, different personalities, different styles. And so the goal, mm-hmm. I hope that people here today is no matter what you do after these situations, it's going to be totally different. Yes. And you're going to have to learn who they are and grow in that. And they're going to have to learn who you are and grow in that. It's not going to be instantaneous or overnight. Mm-hmm. What, um, if you have had a relationship that, um, maybe you were in love. And it was great. And then you lost them. How can you ever love again? Like I've heard people ask me that. What would you say to that? I think, again, that's a healing process. And you have to... Nothing says you have to love again. But if you are wanting companionship love in your life you have to allow yourself to go through whatever it takes to heal you to be able to even open yourself up in that way mm-hmm. um, what does that mean heal you so it- to be able to for the hurt of that loss to not be so big that it overpowers everything else mm-hmm, that's good so that you can actually see that connecting isn't bad Right. So, isn't, yeah. And that, yes, love hurts. People leave. People pass away. It, like, you can't, um, it's getting to the place of accepting that that is part of reality. You can't love without the possibility of loss. Mm-hmm. Um, if you cannot accept that, then you don't open yourself up, but that limits your life experience mm-hmm. um and maybe that's worth it yeah maybe it's not sure yeah yeah i mean it's okay not to i, I think it's how m- how much do you shut yourself down yes um because i don't think you can pick and choose we may think we can but i don't think we can pick and choose like we can't shut um just one type of love out of our life without kind of closing it all down because when we shut down we shut down yep that's good so um right so the point is doing it authentically so if you're going to choose never to date again because the pain of loss is too great and you can explain that and you're good with that and you're at peace with that that's different than i just don't want to be in pain so i'm going to avoid everything yes yes and um i mean i do think a lot of times when you know, we talked a little bit about people trying to get to that connection quickly, but there are people who, when they lose someone in whatever way, they can't, they have to go through a process of processing and imagining the fact that they would, won't be able to love again mm-hmm. because it's, because it's raw and it's, yeah. and it's, yeah. Yeah. You're going to feel like that. Right. And, and it's normal. Both things are actually normal for people to go through and feel. It's just what we do with them. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's important for people to understand that um, it's a mess. It, yeah, it yeah. is. I mean, but we pretend we know that we say it's a mess, but I don't think we like today. We're talking about the messiness of it, and even just talking about it, it's complicated because we could talk about it for five hours. 
You know, we could literally take each one of these things and talk about it for two or three and four hours. And, and the goal isn't to answer all the questions today. The goal is to make you mindful um, about maybe the people in your life who are going through these things and take it easy on them. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe if, mm-hmm. you're, if you have somebody who is a, a girlfriend or a friend who um, is, uh, you know, suffering after a breakup or after a loss, be patient with them. You know, try to, th- you know, try to figure it out what it is that they need um, and walk with them in that and not try to project your own desires about what you think they need. Right. Because I think uh, kind of what I wanted to wrap up with was I think one of the things that makes it really hard is like we're talking about individually and kind of internally how we process. But then you have like family members and friends who are adding to that. Yes. Can you talk about that a little bit? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yeah, that can go lots of different ways. Um, we're we're impatient with people's pain. And we want people to get back to the way they were or something more normal. Um, at least that's my experience. I do hear that a yeah. lot that, you know, even with death, with divorce, with loss, after a certain amount of time, people think you just get over it, move yeah. on. Um, get back out there. Quit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or you do move on and they're not okay with you moving on. They don't like who you chose. You moved too quickly. How could you move on to someone else after such and such? So there's lots of, Oh yeah. I've seen people who lost, lost a spouse and got married a year later. Mm-hmm. People are ticked, mm-hmm. you know, but are they walking with those people? No. Yeah, exactly. And the, and we get to, right. That's the joy of being therapist is we get to walk through those things. And, right. and, and that's, that's the whole point of it being, you know, individual is that, yeah, in some cases that would be a terrible idea, but if the person's actually getting healthier and processing their emotions and had a good relationship and have great perspective, it might be the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. And so we can't, we got to, as friends, as family, as church members, we got to, you know, know each other well enough to know if whether that's good or not, not just, project our own judgment right and you know it again it's one of those things there are times that it does not seem good it does not seem healthy it seems too fast and it really works for those people Mm -hmm. so i think too we have to we have to try to doesn't mean we have to agree but support in whatever way we can no matter what we think about it. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll give a personal story. My sister, you know, she got remarried. Um, and when we first found out about, you know, her husband died of brain cancer, um, nine years ago, I think. Uh, and you know, we were really close as a close relationship. And then, you know, it was a decade later, um, you know, she's getting remarried and she had known him, Brian, shout out to you, Brian, if you listen to this, uh, you know, very short amount of time. So from the outside, it was, Oh my gosh, is this smart? You have kids. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that being the older brother? I'm like trying to protect her. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's been the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. I, I was so glad that my concerns were, you know, not true. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the, that's the case is, um, you can present those concerns and you can talk and you can say, I'm looking out for you. I'm going to respect your decision, but man, this might not be a great idea. But at the end of the day, like I was wrong. Mm -hmm. Was I wrong to ask about those things? No, I was concerned and wanted to know about them, but I was wrong in what I, what I was nervous about, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was glad I'm wrong. And now, you know, 
couldn't be happier with him and with them and all those things. But the point is, is as a family member or a friend, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, don't let your ego and your pride and your fear get in the way. Right. You know, you can ask reasonable questions. You can, you can be concerned. And then if you're the, if you're the dating, you know, the part, the person, I think you have to have a little grace for your family and your friends as well, right? Yes. Yes. Can you speak to that? Well, yeah. I mean, I think when you come into a situation where those things have happened, you have to, yeah, you have to try to be open to the fact that different people are going to see it differently. They're going to feel certain things. You weren't there through that experience and trying to just let, and people having those thoughts and feelings doesn't mean they're against you. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's part of the process. Yeah. Um, and trying to not take those types of things so personally. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course there probably are situations where it is personal, uh-huh. but like, I think, yeah, I think people going into relationships after any type of loss, they've just got to, they've got to have some openness and willingness to see the mess Mm -hmm. and understand that it's, that mess isn't always going, it's not always going to present that way. It's not always going to feel that way. Yeah. And I think that goes back to what we were speaking of earlier. That's part of who you pick and choose to stay with. And if you've been open with them and you've talked through these things, then they're going to be better able to handle it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel bad for the the, 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 the spouses and the, the other people coming into these mm-hmm. situations, especially if it's like grief or loss or divorce. It's like right. your family could have loved that person. Mm-hmm. And now you're, quote unquote, replacing them mm-hmm. and, and not allowing for there to be space for all of that is really inappropriate mm-hmm. when we personalize everything and we, we go, okay, well I've made these decisions and I've chosen this person. And so you all have to be okay with it mm-hmm. or that means you don't support me. Then that puts everybody in a, in a, you know, a failure state. You're going to all right. screw it up. Right. But if we can say, Hey, this is going to be messy. I want to hear your opinions. I don't want to, I don't want to hear criticism. It, it needs to come in a healthy way, but you know, I'll take what you say and I'll hold it and I'll look at it. I'll bring it to my therapist. I'll process it. I'll see what's true about it. And then I'm going to, I'm not going to have to agree with you mm-hmm. and I may not do the decision that you want, but I'll at least respectfully listen and hear because I know you love me. And also we're a family, we're a system. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so I think that's what we've lost in American dating, especially as it's so individualized. It's mm-hmm. you do you, you do what you like. Don't care what anybody else says, live your life. It's like, well, that's great until your parents are paying for your rent, mm-hmm. you know, or that's great until this person has to keep your kids or that's great until you have, you know, you stay out of my dating life, but please come and support everything that it takes to get it off the ground. And so right. we can't do that either. Mm-hmm. And I think I see a lot of that in, in clients and, and working them through that and going, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not your mom's choice, but at the same time your mom's been involved in this supporting you through it the whole time. Mm-hmm. So she's going to have some impact on how that affects her. And Right. Right. So be a little considerate maybe. Mm-hmm. And I would add too to that, that the, the person coming in to the situation of loss 
it's okay at some point for them to have conversations with people. Mm-hmm. You know, sit down with mom, dad, brother, sister, whoever, and talk about what the, con- you know, them be open enough to say, I get where y'all are coming from, but you got to, you know, give me some you got to give me a chance. Yeah. You got to let me, you know, be willing to have those conversations mm-hmm. instead of not just being open to letting the other side feel let you have to interact with that as well. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. You can't just shut your emotions off as the, as the, the, the partner Yeah, and go, well, I get it. So, cause you're going to end up getting resentful and blowing up in your face later. Right. That's good. Any closing uh, thoughts on just kind of what you would want anybody to know if they're in this position? Anything we missed? No, I think, I think it's just, it's something that is, challenging to navigate knowing that it's after you've experienced loss that it's not going to be like it was the first time you dated somebody there's mm-hmm. there's stuff there now that you have to process and work through to make relationships what they need to be definitely yeah i would say you know to close just if you're out there listening to this um it's, I mean, I know you know it's not simple. And what we're trying to get to is the why it's not simple. And it's not simple because your beliefs shape your thoughts and feelings would shape your actions. And what you believe about God, you believe about other people, you believe about yourself is shaping everything that you think. And, and in relationship, we build those beliefs in that relationship. And it's supposed to be that they don't die and they don't end and there's not divorce and there's not loss. And you stay in this safe um, reciprocal net that builds over 40 or 50 years. But well, because we live on earth, like that doesn't happen, whether it's divorce or death or sickness or, you know, um, breakup or whatever. And so it, if it's, if you're entering another relationship, that's always not how it's supposed to be. But again, the encouragement is neither is any of our relationships because right. we live in a fallen world. Right. And so none of our relationships are how they're supposed to be. And that, that's why we have hope in Christ. That's why we have hope in his return is that one day he's going to restore all of this mess and we're going to have connection and empathy and and all of those things and love in the way that it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And our job is to to try to bring into our marriages, into our relationships, a little glimpse of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. But as Christians, especially, if we're not seeking that kingdom first in our relationships and we're not really growing in our identity in Christ after a breakup, after grief, after loss, if we're still angry at God, if we're still processing all of these identity things, and then we're trying to move that broken you know, not perfect, but not known identity into a new relationship, it's a mess. And so I challenge people that are listening that if you're in relationships with somebody and it's, it's already a dumpster fire, it's already more difficult or more complicated than it should be, do some individual work. Come in and talk and process and figure out um, how you're bringing your old self or your old stuff into the relationship and maybe how that's triggering in them their old stuff. And, and also... I mean, be willing to learn about their old mess because we didn't even talk. We could talk about that forever. But the person that you're going into has their whole history and their mess and their family. And um, they may, may seem like the perfect partner right now. But while you're dating, that's not marriage. Mm-hmm. And so once you get in that new marriage and that new relationship, you know, everything changes and they're not the person you thought they were and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And it just becomes a mess. Right. So do your work. Get help. Um and we wish you the best. Brandy, thanks for always doing a great job and coming on. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. God bless you guys and have a good week.